0: Hunted by the Kraken, the sinister leader of the rule empire, Beverly Jordan must control her powers, known only as the Priori, to survive. Believing her powers fit only for destruction and ruin, Beverly and her brother Charlie set off on a journey to find the fabled haven of Kryana, an underwater world where one can learn to split the fabric of time. And manipulate the lines of power, where winged aliquines soar through the air and the shadows lurk in waiting for someone to release them. Will Beverly escape the grasping clutches of the Kraken? Or is she destined to become his weapon? CHAPTER Nineteen, THE OMEGA ENCHANTMENT Lush with grass, surrounded by a ring of the Academy's famous beds of flowers, the knoll was one of the many centers of magic in the city. Here, crossing lines clustered into a node, which was why it was a favored spot by adepts to give their magic lectures. At the nodes, the lines of power were easier to see, A tree stood tall against the background of the city, planted on the top of the small knoll. A black cat stared balefully down through a fork in the branches, its head resting on its front paws. Its green eyes blazed in the dim foliage, and a bell hanging from its neck twinkled gold in the scanty light. Adept Fiddleton stood before the tree and class,
1: The full enchantment has only been achieved by enchanter mages, the last of whom passed into death just before the relocation. Decades before,
0: the he-cat interrupted. He arched his back and balanced on the branch. His jaunty tail held up. He leapt to the ground and twirled around Fiddleton's legs before sitting in front of her, tail curled around his feet. Fiddleton bent down to scratch his head absently. Quite right, Rowan, quite right, she muttered to the cat. The class watched the two with looks that said they thought that Adept Fiddleton was a little unhinged. I gave a wry smile. Though it was not unusual for her to talk to her cat, everyone tended to assume she was thinking aloud to herself. Only I knew she was conversing with her intelligent cat, Rowan. Some magic users, if they had a close enough relationship to their animal, understand their thoughts even though they may not understand the thoughts of any other animal. While Adept Fiddleton understood Rowan, she would not be able to understand the tabby that sat in the globe light on the academy green, ears twitching as it surveyed the odd dragonet shimmer in the air. Adept Fiddleton continued,
1: The enchanter mages were the primary protectors and, as such, ruled as the heads of the circle of magic in each country. It was said that their ability to call up immense, raw inner magic allowed them to avert any disaster. In ancient times, it was decided anyone who had the strength to cast a draining enchantment could only have one role, and that was to lead and protect. But the enchanter mages were a dying line, though no one considered that the invincible enchanter mages could die out. Until the last did, and the troubles in the magic community began. Adept.
0: Interrupted Cyprus.
1: What enchantment are you talking about? This enchantment is so difficult, you could die casting it. The first part of the enchantment is calling upon inner magic, a very hard task. The second part is lending the enchantment a bit of your life energy so your intentions are known, whether you wish the magic to shield, overwhelm, protect, or destroy. Lend it too much, and you're left with none, and you die. If you can't retrieve the energy, you will diminish your own life expectancy by the amount you sent out. Most enchanter mages placed a time limit on the enchantment, so it returned to them before any life energy was lost.
0: But what was it called? Cypress pressed.
1: The Omega enchantment. It takes no exact form. The shape is different for every enchanter mage, as well as the colour, which is the same as the enchanter's magic. But there is one element always present in this enchantment inherent to the way the magic forms, and it is this
0: symbol. Fiddleton pulled a few lines into position, then stood back to reveal the glowing silver symbol. I did a double-take, my surrounds seeming to black out in a wave of nausea. An image of the Priori and its etched symbol hovered in my mind's eye, identical to Fiddleton's inscription in the air. What did this mean? Surely it couldn't be the same. The enchanter Majors had all died, hadn't they? I couldn't be. I pushed the terrifying half-formed thoughts to the back of my mind. The enormity of the symbol's meaning continued to close in.
1: Today I am going to show you just how difficult it is to call up even a small ball of inner magic a tenth of the size of the real enchantment. No lines of power will be involved— We will not be placing any life force into it, as I want the class to live through their academy years. We have assignments to kill you, so don't go and do it yourself.
0: Adept Fildson's voice wavered in and out of my hearing. Too loud one moment, too soft the next.
1: What if
2: you've already unleashed the enchantment?
0: Chimed a voice in my head.
2: Every time you lost your temper, your focus, your control. Raw power, unchecked,
1: unpredictable, destructive.
0: It was becoming harder and harder to think, my thoughts disjointed by panic.
1: You must delve deep into your minds to find the inner magic. Pull out a thread, feeding it through your body and down your arms. Draw the magic into your cupped hands and form a sphere about uh, this big.
0: With two fingers, Adept Fiddleton formed a circle the size of a cherry. The jigsaw of information in my mind was inevitably joining. No matter how I tried to stem the assembly, dismayed, I thought of the ease with which I had produced the full-sized enchantment. My breath stuck in my throat. My vision narrowed. I did not know how to temper it, to stop at the size of a cherry that would sit tamely in the hand. The rest of the class sat in a trance, their faces intense, panting with the effort as only trickles of inner magic pulled in their hands. Was I right? Was this really the same enchantment that was so uncontrollable and dangerous in my hands? The enchantment I produced out of pure instinct? Yes. The silky voice broke through my inner struggle. Rowan, his head tilted to one side, regarded me with unblinking green eyes.
3: You are the enchanter mage. The rest are adepts. You protect them so they can protect non-magics they follow. You lead. Lead?
0: I choked. No. All I wanted was escape and safety. To be left alone. I did not want to be used by the Kraken, by anyone. I did not want to be noticed. Was it too much to ask to be allowed to just live? The Priori stirred within me. My limbs tingled. "'as the tiny balls of inner magic in the clearing grew "'and called to the priori within me. "'The tingling increased. "'Not a thread, but a flood of magic down each arm, "'urging my clenched fists to move closer, "'to join and release. "'My arms shook with the effort of staying apart. "'This could not be allowed to go on. "'I wrenched my fists to my sides. "'Standing on shaky feet, I moved towards the path in the flowerbed. I needed to see Master Elytri. Adept Fiddleton started forward with a disapproving frown, which quickly morphed to concern. I shook my head and forced the words out through a clenched jaw.
2: I've got to leave. I-, I can't stay.
0: With that, I fled from the knoll. The phrases Enchanter Mage, Omega Spell, and the Round Symbol clambered in my mind for attention the half-formed thoughts piecing themselves together at a now galloping pace. My focus was so intense it took me a moment to realize I was no longer running across open grass, but along a well-used path in the rainforest. The tingling in my body had eased during my mad flight. With a heavy heart, I continued to follow the path, wondering what had made me come this way. A tangent path, split from the main one, and something drew me along it. The path opened out into a clearing that I recognised. It was the same clearing I had seen in my vision during the cave-in. As in the vision, sunlight shone bright through the trees and the brook bubbled its merry song. But instead of the circle of magic council, only one man waited there, Master Elytri. It struck me that I had not chosen the path, I had been called.
2: You knew what I was,
0: I said with a hint of accusation.
2: You knew, and you didn't tell me.
0: What are you, Beverly? The master replied. The globe light highlighting his high cheekbones.
2: I'm the first enchanter mage in over three decades. I can perform a deadly enchantment with little exertion. I would not be an enchanter mage if I was not a host to stolen magic,
0: I spat bitterness edging my tone.
2: I feel dirty using this magic. People died.
0: Had it ripped from them. I stood, tautly, on the edge of the clearing, daring him to deny it. Did you ever consider the possibility that those who had died might want you to use their magic to stop the kraken? He asked simply. That they would want you to use their skills to protect their families? The sentient power of the Priori believes you will use it wisely. Did you ever think that it was given to you as a gift? I could not move, as Master Alitri's words jerked me from the shocked state into which I had been thrown at the sight of Adapt Fiddleton's Omega inscription. I had always regarded the Priori as something that had been forced upon me, not a force that had searched for and chosen me for a purpose. My bitterness was replaced by shame.
2: Never thought about it like that.
0: No, he said, because you were too worried about what it would do to you. The truth was a sharp slap in the face.
2: What else am I supposed to feel but afraid? I grew up in hiding, thinking I was dirty. And now I find I am expected to be the protector of an entire race of people. I'm only 18.
0: My outburst was met by the quiet stillness of the rainforest, a gentle magic softening the anger and the panic, until I just felt empty, on the edge of the stone circle, not daring to move forward. I am the first to admit we have made some dismal choices. We took our enchanter mages for granted and now we are in a generation-long standoff, unable to move forward without their gifts. You are the only one left, and as such, you are our only hope. We are incomplete without you.
2: That's what the shadows said,
0: I whispered. You have met the shadows. His expression showed momentary surprise. His eyes flitted around the clearing, but did not rest on those of the brethren I could see beneath the trees. Now that I think about it, it was inevitable that they would seek you out, They've had a long time to gather the wisdom they lacked in life. They too have their place in the grand scheme of things.
2: They are not hunted as a weapon by the kraken, nor as a saviour by the protectors.
0: I countered. We did not hunt you, exclaimed the master, hurt flickering across his features. At least, not in the way you mean, like prey.
2: Different purpose, same thing,
0: I said quietly.
2: You want to use me.
0: Master Relitri turned his face away. Imagine our horror when the Enchanter Majors died out. Then a miracle. One had been reborn. Please forgive us. We could not turn our back on a fresh start. The circle thought it would be years before we had to tell you. But with the recent release of the Kraken's weapon, we are lost now. While we remain leaderless. We will only reach half our potential. I caught a pleading look in his normally serene eyes and avoided his gaze. Now that you know what you possess, what are you going to do? Master Elitri? asked carefully and turned to face the stones again. The power you wield is unpredictable. The fork before me was all too clear. Go my own way and hope for the best, or take the path that called to me. I knew how taking my own path normally turned out. I had blundered my way through my escape with Charlie, but there were so many times when it could have ended in a heartbeat. The path that called to me with the voice of Master Elytri, with the voice of the magic community, had so much responsibility and expectation attached. But what frightened me most was it provided so much power. And in my experience, power always corrupted. It was a thought I could not shake. Did I really believe I could not even trust myself with power? Perhaps it was not a question of trust, but of taming old fears. I had been trying so hard not to be what the Kraken wished me to be, a weapon. It was my whole life, being hunted, suppressing my power. I had applied this part of myself, this aversion to power, to Master Elytri's request, But it was unfair. I was not running. I had found a life that I loved, friends who cared, and a purpose. Not to be married off by my mother, not to be seen as just another of my gender, but to forge a path as a person who could change things. With a start, I realized that though I had consciously held on to my old self, my inner thoughts had already moved me down a new path where I knew... I wasn't the only person who needed my help. In reality, there was only one path I would allow myself to take. It was not about trusting myself. It was about removing the old barriers I used to filter the world.
2: I need to learn how to control it before I can lead a dragonet, let alone the protectors. I breathed. I need to learn a lot of things before I can sit on that stone.
0: I indicated the largest stone in the circle.
2: But if you can teach me, then I will do it.
0: So it begins, he murmured. You are not expected to take up such a position until you come of age. But I am glad you are willing. I am glad for us all. He turned his piercing gaze upon me and smiled, a dazzling, relieved smile of the like I had never seen on him before. No one has to know until it is time for you to be inducted if that is your wish. I nodded with relief.
2: I doubt they don't know already. I feel like a travelling peep show sometimes.
0: Shall we begin your instruction now? He asked, indicating that I should sit in the middle of the circle of stones. A moment of doubt flickered as I stood on the threshold.
2: Forget your fears,
0: I told myself.
2: Trust who you are now.
0: I squared my shoulders. I had finally stopped running, and in doing so, I found the beginning of my path. Feeling strangely light-hearted, I took the final step into the circle of stones.
4: Where did
2: you go?
0: Asked Satinay with nosy curiosity. Uh,
2: Master Elytri wanted me,
0: I replied truthfully. What for? She pried. Extra lessons. It wasn't a lie. But then again I wasn't telling the whole truth, either
1: older,
0: she observed. I placed my hands on my hips, thinking that she wasn't far off the mark. Thanks, I replied with all the false indignation I could muster.
1: Seeing as we're stating the obvious, you look whiter,
0: Satine shrugged dismissively.
1: It's probably all those nightmares you've been
2: having. They would age anyone.
0: We were approaching a large hollowed out tree on the edge of the forest for our sight lecture. The class's lecturer was Dryad Doyle so it was fitting her class was held in a tree. For hundreds of years the tree had grown in the sunlight on the surface until it was moved to the grounds of Oceana during the relocation. Dryad Doyle and her band of future seekers spent most of their time in the confined hollow, drawing feelings of the past and promises of the future from the bark of the long-lived tree to help them focus their predictions. Ever since meeting the far-sighted shadows of Brethren, I could not help but wonder what the Dryad would make of their methods.
4: I wish we didn't have to take sight. It drives me crazy the way they don't give a straight answer,
0: quipped Satinay.
5: Even a simple question is answered simultaneously by every seer in the room, each with some obscure linking thread,
0: agreed Cyprus.
5: If you asked, would it rain, you'd hear... It will rain,
0: interrupted Saturne
5: The sky will fall in buckets,
0: countered Cyprus.
5: A light shower? Brief but ferocious, I added. Long but mild. From which you deduce,
1: yes, it will rain.
0: Satinay concluded.
1: Lightly at first, then develop into a storm that will pass over in half a day or so, with possible thunder and lightning, but only for a brief period of time during the middle of the storming period. Only mild winds are expected to be at this point in time. And perhaps you'll grow fairy wings in the deluge,
0: I said.
2: What if you're more specific, like, will it rain heavily, or... Do
5: I need an oiled coat?
0: Cypress wrinkled his nose. Future seekers can split hairs with
5: the best of them. They are crafty blighters. You get a piece of the puzzle from each, never the whole from one, which you have to put together over the next hour before you can come up with an overly detailed description of what will happen. Too much of that will definitely aid you,
0: said Satinay. At the threshold of Doyle's tree, I threw a comment over my shoulder.
1: Are we still going into the city on the weekend? Wild griffins couldn't keep me from doing something half-interesting in this place.
0: Satinay shot back. I lifted an eyebrow. Kriana was anything but boring. We left our bags at the door and entered the hollow, seating ourselves on the sandy floor around a deep pool of water to the left of the entrance. Not a ripple moved across the surface, giving the pool the effect of a black looking-glass.
4: Dreams,
0: came a tranquil voice. Dryad Doyle moved with measured paces on the far side of the pool. Each footfall seemed to sink roots as it landed, and reluctantly lifted for the next step. Her small, dirty hand never left the surface of the tree bark, and her faraway look fixed on everyone at once.
4: Dreams allow your subconscious to offer hidden information not known by the conscious mind, or they a gateway through which things supernatural might reach. Seeing the future is supernatural,
0: I murmured to myself.
4: Many truths can be found in dreams. Truths about yourself, true paths, and true seeing. A recurring dream will almost always have a truth hidden in its depths.
0: I jerked upright and exchanged a meaningful look with satinay. I had never thought my recurring dream was anything more than a horrible nightmare. In each instance, I came to the decrepit house with the grand staircase divided in the middle, one set of stairs to the right, the other to the left. In the eerie quiet, a voice called to me, echoing in the large beams high above the dark room. It ended the same way, every time. The ghost's voice would get louder and at the end of each dream his last shout would be a little closer than the dream the night before. Yet here was Dryad Doyle, telling me there was something more to the dream than a bad night's sleep. Not sure I wanted to hear more. I leaned forward in trepidation.
4: When I say a recurring dream always has truth, I do not mean the scene itself is real, but an element of the dream has a thread of truth,
0: offered one Fay voice. Reveals future events, supplied another.
4: Has an obscure but truthful reference to the future.
0: The dryad added to the many explanations offered. I slumped down.
2: That told me precisely nothing. Sounds like a dream can mean anything you want it to mean. See, not a straight answer in sight,
0: muttered Satinay from the corner of her mouth.
5: At least you know something in
0: there is true, joked Cypress.
2: Where do I start? What's important? The split staircase and dusty house, the creepy voice always moving closer, or the feeling I get in the depths of my stomach that something menacing is coming?
5: I think the voice is the key,
0: began Satinay.
5: Analyse the feeling,
0: said Cypress at the same time. They glared at each other.
5: Why don't
1: I just measure the thickness of the dust,
0: was my sarcastic reply. Satinay rolled her eyes. You could go with the simple explanation. The
1: split staircase indicates you're losing your marbles. Like
2: Mad Marble?
0: I asked with a shudder. Let's hope not. Satinay smothered a laugh.
1: Perhaps you're going about it the wrong way. For all the seers drive me up the ice tree, their predictions are super accurate. It's not because they can see more clearly, so the key must be in the method.
2: It's almost as though rather than fixating on one part of the dream or one possibility, they think about every possibility, even the most improbable ones. With every probability on the table, you can then throw out the ones that just don't
5: fit. I mused. Look, you said that the ending is never quite the same. The voice getting louder with each finale. Obviously, your mind is leading you somewhere. It's just taking its time.
0: Cyprus reasoned. His ice-blue eyes shone steadily in the dim globe light.
5: But what if it's too
2: late by the time it gets there?
0: Satinay shifted on the uncomfortably packed dirt, an elbow on each knee, hands cupping her face.
2: Have you ever had dreams that have come true before? Not that I remember. But I've never had a dream this vivid and with my...
0: I paused, the words sticking in my mouth, until I forced them out.
2: (sighs) My power boost... During the cave-in, I'm not sure what's possible now. I've been told I leak
5: everywhere. I thought you'd been looking bluer recently.
0: Satinay's voice dripped with fake concern. Seriously, that's the best you could come up with? groaned Cypress.
2: If we can piece this lesson together, then maybe we'll have no trouble with the dream.
0: I retorted. There could be a million truths hidden within the confines of my dream each detail a possible truth waiting to be found and analysed. It was time I made a list of every possible conclusion, even the seemingly unimportant ones. The problem was, I wasn't sure I wanted to know which part of the unnerving dream was the truth.
3: Hey babes! Thanks for joining us for Chapter Nineteen, Episode Twenty Four of Priori, and welcome to the wonderful family of Emily, Ah (laughs) Lois, Sam, Hi, and Kevin. (laughs) Roll, oh Scooby Kevin, as we like to call him. You
6: know, you had your Kraken voice on before when you said, Hey, babe. So I was like, Whoa. Oh, God. God.
3: Oh, God. I mustn't do that too often. Like this week, (laughs) the Kraken ghost tries speed dating. Yeah. (laughs) Whoa,
6: Kraken pickup lines. Panties will fly off. (laughs) (laughs) Today we'll
1: unmask your.
6: No.
3: No. no, no, no. Oh, dear. Yeah, oh, that's what we no.
6: should do for a crack in Goodreads, like, like one of the end episodes is write pick up lines for
3: the crack. Yeah, sure. Oh, good Lord. Uh, which ones of these have I used? I can't possibly say them. Oh, God, how is everybody? My God, what have you all been doing? It seems like ages since we've actually been together and talked.
6: All of the, all yeah. of the Easter's and it's April already.
0: April, yeah. how
3: is it? I know, my life's been quite ridiculous.
0: Yeah, what have you been up to, dude? Like, you've got everything happening at the moment.
3: Well, I moved house, and I'm I'm in my new pad right now, in fact. Full, full life. I don't think there's any other way to have a life.
0: No.
6: No. No. Not if you want to live to the fullest, Colin. Do you want to live to the fullest? Are you going to take life by the Kraken's balls? (laughs) (laughs) Ouch.
3: Um, (laughs) No, I want to be an extreme house mover. But how's everybody else been? Good Lord. What's what's the go?
6: Sam did his fun 24-hour play thing.
3: I did.
7: Like fun is a word oh, you can use. Yeah. Ah.
0: So <laughs> how much did they have to do in the twenty four hours? Was that riding through to the?
7: So the basic idea, like, so they, in the program they had the um, the steps to take for their, their version of the twenty four hour musical, and it was one: pick a show. Two: hold auditions without telling anyone what the show is. Three: cast <laughs> the show without telling anyone what the show what their roles are. Four, release a short list of ten shows ten days from the performance. Five, remove a show from the list each day until... Six, bring the musical theatre community of Greater Brisbane together for 24 hours of mayhem and mirth. Seven, have a fancy dinner and announce the show. And 24 hours later, the curtain goes up. And and then eight was take all the profits made from ticket sales and donations and give it to local charities. And then nine
3: was go home and sleep... See my my fear with that sort of thing is the lines learning thing. Oh, you know, like I—that's the toughest part of the job—is actually learning lines. And uh, you know, I've got a month before my next show opens, and I'm still crapping myself about getting all of the lines done. Twenty-four hours, nag. So this is no—it's not not just a show;
7: it's full musical with orchestra. So the The orchestra had had twenty-four hours. The cast had twenty-four hours. They, everyone had their first go at the same time. it was nuts they had a they had like a a designated sort of like quiet room which was like the lights will stay off it'll be dark we're not you know, you, and then dog- you
6: woke up and you had shaving cream all over your face and your hands oh,
7: in I a cup that. of water yeah. it was a really good group it was a sort of like yeah it was it wasn't sort of like let's prank people. it was like no, everyone's in the same boat if they need to sleep you, they, you let them sleep. We'll draw a on them.
3: um <laughs> and, yeah,
7: they had to this is why you weren't invited Emily.
3: <laughs> <I wasn't
7: invited. laughs> it was between, based on like the list that been slowly whittled down, it was between Beauty and the Beast and Cinderella. And it turned out to be Cinderella. And so I was like, well, like, we're going to be doing a show, and the audience is going to be aware that not only have we only rehearsed for 24 hours, we've been up for 24 hours. Hmm. Um, are they going to be, I'm pretty sure they're going to be very forgiving. And I wasn't prepared. This was the most supportive audience I've ever had like the, the, in the opening song, when the townspeople all start dancing, the fact that we were like could form a line and dance in unison just they exploded, they oh. which, and so it was amazing just to hear these, these audiences laughing and just having a great time. it was great there
0: uh, is something to, there is something to seeing how much you can get done in those kind of constraints, though, in short spaces isn't there like i've I've loved for years going along to Melbourne Game Jam. Uh, and I go out and volunteer, and watching, basically, the stuff that those people pull together in 48 hours uh, is just incredible. Uh.
6: <laughs> That's why it annoys me when people are like, fast writing is not good writing, and writey, writey, around." and you're like, well, depends on how you use your
7: like, time. Well, don't get me wrong, like, mm-hmm. this, wasn't, this was probably one of the biggest reactions I've ever gotten from an audience in any show I've ever done, but it probably wasn't, like, the best show I've ever done. It's 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 impressive if we can if we can hit harmony once. It's impressive if we end on the same note at this at this point in the game. So, I think I I can remember like I I was like trying to make a joke about how I wasn't even tired, and I got like halfway into the sentence and fell asleep (laughs) (laughs) on the drive home. (laughs) I woke up. My brother was like, "Did you just have a microsleep?" And I was like, "I don't know." What, what made you say that? He goes, "Because you stopped half mid sentence and just sort of slumped."
3: Oh, like <laughs> no. oh my god! Anyone else before we do our job and discuss the book? I know. right? Oh, oh I am. Ter- we can do more. We can, I'm a can terrible it. host. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that's if that's it, then yes,
6: you're fired. This is the last <laughs> time. <you do> it. <laughs>
3: I, I gracefully accept that admonishment. Chapter nineteen. Oh my god. Okay. Now we're getting to the nitty gritty. This is the Joseph Campbell. This is the the last time that Beverly faces her faces her inner fears. I think, isn't it?
6: I don't know whether it's the last time, but it's certainly one of the one of the m- most significant times that she she does that. I mean, like spent the whole book being afraid of the thing that she has and feeling dirty right. and and feeling like she is non-deserving and feeling like she lucked out in a really horrible lottery. Yeah. Where, like, if you can imagine, like, a lottery where it's $30 million, but it's $30 million of, like, you know, people who've died in in, in a mass genocide. Yeah, like blood money. Uh, right. <laughs> blood money. Oh, yeah. Blood diamond money. The lottery ticket to that and have won. She kind of feels like that. And that's made her quite fearful of the the power, and it's, it prohibited her taking control of it. Yeah. Because she's trying to suppress it, but she can't deal with things by suppressing them because they leak everywhere.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, whether it's um,
6: memories, whether it's magic, whether it's, you know,
3: whatever. Yeah. It reminds me of um, Slight Diversion, this one. It's the, um, the, the one of the philosophies of... The artistic director of the Queensland Shakespeare Ensemble, who I who I work with quite a lot at the moment, um, uh, there's a there's this rehearsal room attitude that a lot of people have, which is um, a lot of directors have, which is uh, leave your shit at the door. Um, but um, we're in we're in denial of that. It's the you you bring bring your shit with you because that's the stuff that we can. Alchemize and turn into gold, you know. It's, um, yeah. And, and if, you, if you do leave your shit at the door, you're going to be thinking about it the whole time. Mm. And it's going to be weighing on you and it's, it's going to stick to you and it's going to impede your ability to be a good artist. But if you bring it in with you and embrace it, then who knows what sort of excellent stuff you can turn out.
0: That makes a hell of a lot of sense because every performance is going to be unique and that's one of the most natural things that will colour a performance. So yeah, it makes complete sense that instead of inhibiting it, you would allow it in rather than fighting it. So at the very least, you're you're not basically like you say preoccupied with it. But yeah, that's a, it's a beautiful colour.
6: And it's interesting to sort of think that you know Beverly can kind of she she hasn't been thinking about it, but she can kind of see that both sides are are attempting to use her, mm. right? And and even even though one side is Gooder than <laughs> the the other side. Still a matter of trying to force somebody's hand. But at the same time, you know, Leetree fully takes responsibility for that. And he says, you know, I know that we have done this thing, and I know that it is not fair for you. But I also want you to think about how much good you could do. Yeah. If you were the one to take control of it.
3: Yeah. yeah. It made me a little angry that. Um they didn't take good care of Beverly from when she was younger, you know, it, it, when it might have mattered where, where she could have been nurtured to say, oh, yeah, look, hey, you've got this big responsibility on you and we're going to we're going to help you out in order to be able to deal with it when it matters the most. But it was it's kind of like she's grown up with it, resenting it mm. because she didn't really know what it was. The, did, how how did they know?
7: No,
6: they didn't know Mm. where she was. Yeah. In saying that, though, like, I mean, like, all of the Enchanted Mages had died out, then the Kraken happened, and then everything went to shit. In saying that, though, I mean, the Circle had the potential to find, you know, people like the young boy who died a couple of
7: episodes ago. That's what I'm thinking about, yeah.
6: So, I mean, like, they can't say that they couldn't, if they really tried, they couldn't have found her.
7: So that was the whole thing at the beginning where they were trying to... They couldn't find her, and then Satinay had the plan where she's like, Well oh, I've got this idea. I might be able to find her. And everyone was like, don't be silly. And so yeah. they listened to her earlier and actually sent, like, you know, trained professionals rather than
3: <laughs>
0: two yep. twins on a lark.
3: <laughs> it's oh. an
0: interesting point, though, because this might actually be, like, revisionist history, but when I was reading through that, I kind of figured that... It's in, like without knowing the specific circumstances, it's entirely possible that those agents are moving more freely now that they know, oh, okay, well, we've got the priori over here. We've got this important marker, so we don't need to be as discreet. If, if we get found, less of an issue. Maybe the idea of sending an agent to specifically find the priori and know where the priori was was – putting too many cards on the table and the chance of being intercepted was too great. It's kinda of like the old argument in Lord of the Rings that like everyone's like, Well why didn't they just fly the ring to Mount Doom on the back of an eagle? Yeah. It's like it would work. But if it's a bold it's a very bold move until you actually have Beverly with you.
6: In the time when everything went to shit, they also had to build that like yes they have magic, but they couldn't have built Kriana and you know, Nara and any other underwater mag- magical cities like, you know, Atlantis. They couldn't have built all of that in a day. You need time to recoup. You need time to build confidence. You need time to set up spy networks. You need, like, you know. Mm. And so quite conceivable that it could take anywhere up to, you know, like she's, she's 18. And so sometime, you know, before, you know, when she was around about, before, when she was around about one, was when all of this went down. So it's quite conceivable that it would take them at least 10 years to get their shit together. Sure. And then another couple to figure out how to start searching and, yes. Yeah. And, and, then, and then also political maneuvering. But yeah, so, you know, Beverly's very right to be angry. You know, there's a lot of pl- political maneuvering around the scenes. People have been tiptoeing around her. She thought that she'd kind of come to a society where people did less tiptoeing and more welcome, let us show you things. I particularly liked Beverly's reaction when Fiddleton was just very casually teaching people the Omega Enchantment, (laughs) 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 which is very, very hard for everybody else because it all comes from inner magic rather than the lines of power. Like, I mean, the way the adepts get their power is that they can see the lines and they manipulate the lines. They don't actually have a lot of inner magic, whereas Beverly has like thousands of people's inner magic all smooshed together. And now she has like almost double that again because the Kraken re-released his weapon. I feel like there hasn't been a lot of communication between the upper echelons of the circle of magic and the teachers right. of, of the school. Uh, like, it's not, yeah. not, a, not enough consideration of specialised education. And she, she also doesn't have any knowledge of the magical world at all either. She's catching up on that as well as trying to deal with her own specific abilities, which far exceed anybody else's. And um, I think it's also probably at this point where she kind of realises that, you know, yes, power corrupts, but if she is willing to learn about power, about politics, about magic, about how it all works, and about how she can use it to the benefit of others, then then maybe, just maybe she might be this, this fantasy leader that everyone seems to be placing her as.
3: We would hope so. <laughs> And then
6: she turns into Kraken version to Damn it!
0: Crack it! <laughs> it's an awful lot to put on one set of shoulders, though.
6: It is in the grand scheme of things quite young, mm. and still quite immature personality-wise. Still getting super angry and throwing lightning
0: bolts at people. <laughs> like the call back to the shadows too.
6: That does show something in the positive with tree, in that, you know, they're not keeping her like a prisoner under watch. Like, he had no idea that she had met the shadow, which kind of says that, you know, it's not like you're replacing the horrible kraken with a society that thinks it's good and, you know, watches all of its important people and citizens. Like, they didn't have anybody on watch. In essence, they were trying to let her find herself... And then, kind of failing to see that maybe she needed just slightly more guidance than being left to her own devices.
3: Slightly.
6: Sure, I'll try this enchantment that you're telling everybody about. <laughs> <now. laughs> Boom! <laughs> I just fried that cat.
3: Sorry. <laughs> Was that yours?
6: Slight musings on how trying to get uh, get um, meanings from dreams is is like trying to trap cats in a box.
0: <laughs> <laughs> when you say slight change in perspective I think there was a point and I was trying to put my finger on it before but there was a point when basically they lost Elliot where, that was the, where she basically had made uh, the biggest change from where she was starting out from where Charlie and her were and this I think is probably the most significant point we've had since because it is such a big step to start unpicking so there's dealing with everything else that she has with all of this power but then there's taking it to the next level and starting to unpick that whole, well, absolute power corrupts. Well, no, well, there might be things that you can do about that. And this power is dirty and I don't like using it. Well, what about the, what about the cost? Regardless of whether you, like, what you think about it, what is the cost of it coming to you? And could this be used for good to avenge those people? Those are really big like, next level questions that she's starting to unpick with where she's headed. So it's a huge chapter in that respect.
6: She's starting to sort of accept who she is, rather than trying to deny who she is, and and it's it's a it's a case of um you know you see it a lot in life where people will not accept the bad things that have happened to them. They live in this state of denial um, about the shit that's going down, and it's a, and it's a coping mechanism, right? Mm. Um, but I think and it, it comes back down to a- almost the whole. The whole message that sort of comes out in this novel, which is that shit happens in the past, but you can't let it define how you deal with the future.
3: Mm. Yes, yeah. Well, sometimes it's, they, it's easier to yeah. hang on to the the negative. You know, it's 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 less effort. Or
1: well, it actually uh, takes a lot of energy to to yeah. reset that image.
3: Because sure. the
1: problem is, if you've got if you've got something awful in your past, depending on how awful and depending on how often that that particular scenario confronts you, there's a lot of recurring evidence that proves to you that it's probably better to just leave it alone because if you try to sort it out, you're just going to get slammed back into place by reality or circumstance or whatever. Mm.
6: Yeah. Um, it was interesting. I was listening to a TED Talk on the weekend that was saying that the point at which people make change in their life is when the pain, the pain of changing becomes less than the pain of
0: not yeah. changing. Yeah, and I, I can <clears throat> I can certainly say from a personal perspective, I've experienced that more as a, not so much as a conscious math thing, but it's almost an instinctive it's an instinctive reaction where you just hit that point where you're like enough, I've got to clear the table, I've got to something's got to change because I'm now basically beyond coping.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, reminds me of some breakups I've had. <laughs> 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 oh, oh, oh no, no! It's not that. It's just it's that it's that point at which I, I, you know, you can't cry anymore. You can't plead anymore. It's just like you know what? My brain has switched over into a, I don't know, a survival mode where I'm, I'm just, you know what? I'm just going to move on. Mm. And mm. it's, it's, it's got to be, it's got to be like this. Fantastic. Well, on that note, it's Kevin singing me a song. That's what's next. <laughs> That's the best thing in the world. And it's not, it wasn't even my birthday, it was yours. Why am I not singing a song? I don't know. Do you want, do you want to Marilyn it up for a couple of seconds? Marilyn it
0: up as Maryland. the Kraken.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, this one's going to be short and sweet. Kraken gonna read, 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 read. <laughs> gonna bleed, 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 bleed. Kraken reads, Kraken reads. <laughs>
6: Cole thought that he wasn't going to be here this week, so he actually pre-recorded it. So I think what we're all going to try and do is listen to it at the same moment.
7: Is there someone going to count us in to press play? Yeah.
6: So is it on three or after three? (laughs) Uh,
3: It'll be after three, so I'll go three, two, one, go.
6: (laughs) Wait, is that a practice or was that supposed to be press play?
3: Gosh, I hope it was a practice
7: because I certainly didn't do it.
3: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, ready, okay, here we go. Three, two, one, go, <laughs> <laughs>
7: oh God oh.
3: <laughs> oh. 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 I'm going to go I've let a weapon go. <laughs> I've been I've, cool
6: with the lines. I've released my own weapon.
3: <laughs> if you know what I mean. I need to
7: go hide under the desk <laughs> for a moment. That and scrub.
3: It's a little bit little bit creepier when he when she's thinking about Beverly. Uh, when he's thinking about Beverly actually.
1: All I can think is this song is talking about friend zoning and how ridiculous it is anyway.
3: Oh well, All that. Many years ago. That and I'm I'm going to take her off you, like she's a yeah. piece of property, and mm. like fuck, man. It was such a sexy song back then, but now in hindsight, it's kind quite... of
6: yeah. yeah just has
1: to be read in the right creepy voice for you to realize.
3: Yeah. <laughs> that, that's
1: it. It, it. it makes me completely recast the Kraken as Kylo Ren in my head. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it makes me think
6: that we should re-examine all 90s pop songs. Oh, yeah. What is, I don't know. I'm bad. I'm bad with my music. And I don't even I don't even know the names of things.
1: Hey, that wasn't 90s.
3: What's wrong with you? That was 1983, I think. <laughs> that was when we uh, put onions on our belts. <laughs> it was that's the style so well at the done. time.
1: That's terrifying. <laughs> I
6: was just thinking of the and looking in a mirror and, and thinking that, like, maybe he doesn't see anything because he's a vampire.
1: Is he a vampire? Did we know that? No, he's not. But, but
6: I just... I wonder if it would make him creepier. <laughs> maybe it would make maybe it would make priori, um sell better to the publishers if I made him a vampire. Oh
1: god! No, maybe Sparkles. <laughs> Cracking the sparkling
3: vampire. <laughs> no, <laughs> oh. oh god! That's the, it's a the new ga- new game by White Wolf. Cracking the sparkling.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh. Nah. Oh wait, no, for alliteration, like instead of just sparkling, and so you avoid the lawsuit. It's like a, a light, static crackling, crackling with all the little sparks, so it's the crack and the crackling.
1: Oh: oh. I yeah. was going to say and the crenellating" because I oh. have a brain that thinks of words like that for no good reason.
7: <laughs> this is the good reason. this right here. <laughs> <laughs> I are you like, like your joint work.:
3: castle <laughs> again.: yeah. What do you do? Your bricks positively shine with granite. Those
6: are the medieval pickup lines. <laughs>
3: yeah,
0: right. There is a thick, loamy mortar holding you together.
3: <laughs> oh, he hasn't got shit all over him. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
6: um, Thank
3: the swamp. It, it's like the it's swamp. God, I went there. I went to Dune Castle when I was in Scotland. It's amazing. No
1: way. Oh. It's
3: great. Where where almost all of the Holy Grail was filmed. And it's, it is one of the most amusing places I've ever been in my life because um it uh there's an audio tour by Terry Jones and um
4: Oh wow.
3: And yeah, and, and you can, you know, be in the scenes in in whichever scene of the movie you probably want, you know, where <laughs> Do they hand you the,
6: coconuts?
3: They have, some coconuts. They have yeah. coconuts in the in the in the um in in the, the gift shop that you can you can you borrow, yes. Um but yeah borrow? Yes. Oh, are. Or what did you steal? Them? I might have them in my cupboard still. <laughs> uh, well, you know, a sparrow probably brought them over from England to here. Um,
6: the African swallow. No, <laughs>
3: Fully laden. Look, um, I, I wanted to segue into the last section, the penultimate section of this uh, podcast, with the amazing science facts that continue to amaze us. And I was going to start off with my own, because um, I, uh, mine's about a bird. Indeed it is. Most people think that, oh, well, you know, people probably already know this science fact already, but it's the, it's the one that charms me the most. Well, you know how the cheetah is the fastest land animal? Mm-hmm. And it can run at, you know, up to about 75 miles an hour. Yeah. There is a faster animal than that. What? But it's, it's not a land animal. It's a it's a bird. Oh, I know what it is. Yes, and it's my favourite bird ever because you know traveling at what close to 400 kilometers an hour in a dive is quite amazing. It's the peregrine falcon.
1: Yeah, its and wings don't come speed. off, which is actually <laughs> a,
3: a huge. One. <laughs> it doesn't like it doesn't die from friction. Yeah, because it's, it's so most
1: scary. aircraft. If you were to dive at 400 kilometers an hour, the wings are going to go
3: bing. Yeah. <laughs> Bye-bye,
0: wings! Oh, I need those. (laughs) Oh, crap. You are the wings beneath my body.
6: I I really like our, like, random ending segments. You just, you learn so much.
3: Oh, God, yes. Emily, what's your favourite science fact?
6: Uh, All of my favourite science facts are basically, like, starters for apocalypse novels.
1: So... Oh, cheery. Oh, good.
6: (laughs) So... So one of my favourite science facts is uh, on the ocean floor where you have tectonic plates spreading. Oh, God. Um, and so you get like magma bubbling up mm-hmm. um, and forming new ocean floor. And so what happens is that when a magma freezes into solid basalt to make that ocean floor, um, it freezes in the orientation, all, all the magnetic material in that magma freezes in the orientation of the magnetic field on Earth. And so what they have found, looking at this cross-section of ocean floor from separating plates, is that all of the magnetic material is pointing in one direction at the moment, but directly next to it is a bed of rock where all of the organic material is pointing in the opposite direction. (laughs) Okay. And then there are bands of this where all of the organic material is pointing to the current magnetic north, and then the and then there is another band which is pointing to the current magnetic south, and it's back and forth. But the thing is, is that there is no like gradual variation from north to south; it's like an immediate cut, it's
1: like, like some, there, somebody there pulls is, a lever and bunk.
6: Yeah, and and ah. there. the the magnetic orientation changes, and from that they realise that. Every 200,000 years or so, the magnetic polarity of the Earth switches, like, instantaneously. So, you know, it doesn't happen gradually over the period of a couple of months or a couple of years. It's like an instantaneous switch. And if, taking into the regular laws of electronics and magnetic fields, a changing electricity generates a magnetic field, and then changing the magnetic field generates a movement of electricity. Hmm. So, if you had the magnetic field of the Earth switch poles, ah. you would basically generate massive amounts of electricity and you would fry anything
3: on Earth that was right. turned on at the time. I was about to say, I mean, how is this going to lead to apocalypse? And you've just given us the key. <laughs> Yes.
1: why doesn't my, does my cell phone work um, the electrical burns massive. are a bigger problem <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. did you know massive, that you're on file
6: change. that's right massive changes in electric field creates
1: I can't <laughs> Instagram my third creates.
6: degree burns <laughs> Uh, yeah, so like a lot of things would be on fire, I'm assuming, a lot of things would be melted. I don't know considering how large a surge of energy it is, I don't know how switchboards like whether fuses would blow or whether things would just mm. you know, melt down. Mm-hmm. It's hard to know with a magnetic field size of the frickin' earth. Yeah, it but would
3: we're willing to find out.
6: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It would it would kill a lot of things. On
3: um, this episode so... of World Busters. <laughs>
6: Yeah, so there was that one, and then another favorite uh, science fact is that uh, in the permafrost in Siberia, these prehistoric uh, m- like massive viruses. Yes. That you, I think, I think you can see them without a microscope. Um, and the permafrost is melting, and the viruses have actually just been lying dormant in the ice. And as the permafrost is melting, the viruses are basically becoming active again.
3: Right.
6: So also Whoa. another apocalyptic. Launch point.
3: Yes. Let's get on that and find a cure before we're all fucked.
6: Saying <laughs> global warming. <laughs> wow. This that... is why you should care about global warming, people's yes. disease. Yes. Pathogens. Giant, giant pathogens. They're just can... going to eat you. they not even going to bother to infect you. They're just going to smother you.
3: Could be a zombie apocalypse, God goddammit. So
6: hey. There you go. Those are my favourite science facts.
3: Great. Sam!
7: So, when we talked about this at the beginning, that this was how we're going to end, I didn't really have any science facts that jumped to mind, <laughs> and so I was looking around at just interesting science things, and I was going to, the one I, was, I thought about was all the stuff that um, Tesla's doing. I think that's really neat, yes. um, with mm. their um, electric cars and now their um, their battery, which I've started actually seeing around the city. Where are they? In the car park. I think it's the Maya car park? Oh, yes. Did I'm, you know
6: that if you have an electric car, you can park at the car parks in Brisbane City for half price?
7: That's awesome. huh. No kidding. I did not know that. Emily's talk of like apocalyptic things, it remind it did remind me of something less apocalyptic but kind of interesting. Uh, a friend of mine actually uh, has has shown me a, a YouTube channel called Because Science, <laughs> and it's basically this guy explaining often quite nerdy things. You know, why does Kylo Ren's lightsaber work? where should a vampire bite? And then he explains it, the it with science and he goes, so why? Because science. Uh, but the one I liked from that is that they, he talked this whole thing about um, the, char- the X-Men character um, Iceman, how in actual fact, the, when he freezes, makes like, his, like an, a, an ice armor, because it happens so quickly, the release of energy from that kind of flash freezing should just be like a walking bomb. Right. Oh. Um, okay. So every time, whenever he whenever he sort of activates his powers, he should just like everything around him should just vaporize <laughs> <laughs> because of the because yeah, so yeah. this like out because this shock wave of heat would we'll just yeah. shoot out. Yeah. yeah. You literally just Google like you just Google YouTube because science. It's like the first one that comes up.
3: Hey, Lois. Yes. Okay, I'm gonna
1: see if I can get Loki to do this. My favorite fact is about the kitty cats.
4: Come on, <laughs> come on, meow for me. Can you meow? No, mommy. Screw you. Right, come here. Oh, my God. <laughs> my cat, Like
1: this particular cat is, like, 10 kilograms heavy, and my other cat is trying to steal my chair now that I've gotten out of it. So, all right, my Loki. Hi, my Loki cat. You don't fit on my lap, do you? That's okay. We'll figure it out. So, anyway, my favorite fact is about, it's about kitty cats and the fact that in, when they're feral, they don't really meow. They don't vocalize. That's just not something that they do. Right. And the reason that they meow is because they figure out that human beings, their their people, if you will, make a lot of noise with their mouths to communicate ideas. Uh, right. And so cats will vocalize to their humans uh, <laughs> as sort of like a middle ground of, you know. I would try to communicate with you via body language. Um, And one of the easiest kinds of body language you can learn for cats is the slow blink. So like Mm -hmm. if, if you've got a cat hanging out and you're looking at the cat in the eye, if you do like it, it'll feel stupid when you do it. But if you do sort of a slow blink where you close your eyes over the space of two seconds and then you open them back up over the space of two seconds. If you see the cat reciprocate, that means the cat is comfortable in your presence and is quite happy to be with you. Uh-huh. Um, and if you do that to a cat, that's telling them in their language that you're cool. You're not trying to be obnoxious. And, right. you know. So what happens is cats actually develop a kind of, I wouldn't say language, but they develop a unique form of communication with their human. So while dogs can actually recognize uh, human facial expressions and will mimic them, So that when a dog looks worried, he's probably worried. So when you say, oh, look, he looks like we totally caught him in the act, he is genuinely looking like you caught him in the act. (laughs) Um, Cats create a unique form of communication with each of their owners. So, like, I wouldn't be able to understand um, the communication between Kevin and his cat, but I can understand when Loki likes to have a chat with me when he's on the ground floor and I'm on the top floor, and he's like, why are you not down here giving me cuddles? What is this deal?
6: <laughs> <laughs> and so what does he, he
1: really Yeah. No, we'll have... Kevin's seen it. <laughs> we'll have
7: conversations. Oh, yeah. yeah. On, I, will you I mean? I've, I've heard a version of that where they're saying that the cats <laughs> there we <go>. do do, <laughs> do meow, but at kittens... But as the yeah. kitten grows, they sort of learn the body language, and they, so they, they stop having to vocalize to the kitten, which means that the cat could potentially look at you and be like, you're a child. <laughs> you
1: and are a which, big, hairless, idiot kitten. That which is, is one mean.
7: of the reasons they say that they think that the, the cat brings, like, dead animals into the house, because <laughs> they don't, they, they're not confident you know how to feed yourself. <laughs> 'Cause the cat's like, Well, you're an idiot child. You've you're all, you haven't you're not growing up. You're not progressing mm. the way you're supposed to. You're going to die. I'm gonna go get you food.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm very
7: I'm very concerned.
3: <laughs>
6: <laughs> I can just see Loki being like Lois. I'm very
3: concerned. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Is your problem? How
1: many roaches have
6: we brought to you Dude,
3: No:
7: Well there was there was another there was a guy, there's this picture series, there was, was a photographer and like a sea lion came up
0: and basically did the same thing. Kevin! Now, I've mentioned this before, but uh, I'm going to come back to an old favourite. I would like to talk to you all about the wonders of ergotism. <laughs> yeah.
3: Is that when I touched myself?
0: At- <laughs> yeah, I, no, I was going to go for lyric right there, but I but I fumbled it. Um, ergot's a fungus, it right. has toxic uh, compounds in it that are very similar to LSD. And. Are you talking to us
6: about magic mushrooms, Kevin?
0: Not quite. Uh, hold, on, quite. hold on a second there, because we're, we're going to come close. We're going to come close, and then we're going to veer off in a, hor- in a horrifying direction.
1: <laughs> so
0: it infects grain. So think about basically sort of early societies, like medieval societies in particular, where you have uh, a very small food basket that is responsible for uh, probably most of the people in a given area. So you think about like a small town, for example, and they're gonna, chances are they're going to be getting their grain from the same fields. If not, then basically it's going ha- to have a chance to spread across most of the, the bread basket for that particular town. Now, ergotism comes in two forms. And so when basically it infects grain, it will infect that grain to the point where if it's b- baked into bread, if that bad, if that bad grain is, in, is baked into bread, the fungus survives. Now, there are two different forms of ergotism. Uh, it can manifest as what is referred to as convulsive ergotism. That can give you painful seizures, spasms, convulsions, hallucinations, mania, or psychosis. So that gives you the whole magic mushroom thing that you were angling for there. Oh, but wait, it gets... Forever? Uh, no, for a... well, for a period of time. But the thing with ergotism is it's so severe, and it was a, it mostly it was a problem at a point in time where our understanding of medicine wasn't progressed enough that... Uh, you would, what would happen basically is people who were suffering from this would be put in uh, as institutions or asylums. There were basically uh, asylums full of these people because it, when it hit, it was so widespread. It was basically a plague. Uh, so, convulsive ergotism, we love that one. But let me tell you about cankranous ergotism, also oh. known as sacer or holy fire. Please tell us more, yes. I will. Nausea? <laughs> Limb pain? Okay. Oh, and extremities may turn black and mummified, causing infected limbs to spontaneously break off. That
3: escalated quickly. (laughs) I
0: feel like
6: the Kraken shouldn't have bothered building a weapon. He should have just introduced that to, like, eat this bread. (laughs) (laughs) It's just been like the devil. It was the devil. Mm -hmm. He won't be cursed by a witch.
7: Everyone eat your shrooms. I feel like you were burying the lead a little bit there. It's like what are the symptoms? Well, it's this, it's this, or your arms fall off. Wait, what?
0: <laughs> but the yeah. thing is, the like that psychosis though, don't skip over that because there's a, there's, a, there's a book by Oliver Sacks which is on my list of things to pick up called Hallucinations, where apparently he like he goes through there are theories where historians say, ah oh, Salem Salem witch hysteria could have been this, probably was. Right. Uh, things referred to as dancing plagues as well, uh, which happened during the fourteenth and seventeenth century, which I'm yeah, less is, familiar with. Isn't it
1: with. related to like Saint Vitus's dance?
0: Yes, yes. That was a reference. Now I haven't listened to the podcast episode in a while because I picked up this from Stuff to Blow Your Mind. Um oh, but no, yeah. no,
1: this is this is me reading stuff when I should be asleep.
0: Oh, no, no, absolutely, absolutely. Like, I, I get that, you know, you're, you actually understand this stuff, whereas I've, I've just picked it up from listening and going, that's really cool. Oh,
1: but yeah, you yeah, credit so, me that's... with far more comprehension than I actually have.
0: <laughs> but no, you're absolutely, yeah, you're absolutely right. They do name-check St. Vitus's dance in this. So that's one of the things that it's potentially been attributed to. Like, we don't know for sure, but they're like, well, it could have been that. So you get these situations where they talk about, there are some historical accounts of potential like uh, what was possibly an um, ergotism infection, and the descriptions of what is happening in these towns it is like a nightmare landscape. People are just losing their minds completely acting completely irrationally, things like you, you'll have you know just spontaneous orgies, for example, or just people doing this. If you imagine, like, whenever, like, uh, horror films, like, dip into that hole, and like, no, here's a little bit of hell. Like, there are, there are historical records where you can pick up points, where, like, people are like, well, actually, this matches this, and it just sounds terrible.
6: God. Can you imagine what would happen if one of them had the Priory in them?
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
6: and they ended up with one of those infections.
3: Omega. Maybe if the Priory... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. Oh, my God. I love the science. I love the little diversions into, into the world of fact, which are <laughs> terrifying and brilliant and altogether amazing. Because we run out of time, unfortunately. Oh. They're very good people. So um, <sighs> we will have to leave you. But um, we will be back another handful of times <laughs> now. <laughs> because we, well, we're actually we, running out of book, aren't we? We
6: yeah. are running out of book. And, um, and, and we actually calculated that this will be the last time Colin... Mm. Does the hosting for it by because there's only five well, this is like another four episodes and
3: mm-hmm.
6: five, four episodes and we're done.
3: That'll be Aww. it, yeah. Well we'll say goodbye to you for now, but we'll be back in a little while. Uh but yes, um say goodbye, lovely people. And Bye. Goodbye, lovely people. Bye. Oh, someone had to say it. And we'll float over to the gag reel, which is full of fun and mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> Good, night.
7: Good night. Good night. Good morning, whenever you listen to this. Mm.
6: Good time zone. <laughs>
5: But was it a dream? They are crafty buggers. Buggers? That's not at all what the line is. (laughs) That's what you want to say.
0: They're crafty
5: crafty buggers. They are crafty... Mm. Crafty? They're crafty. They're real crafty. (laughs) Future seekers. (laughs) 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 Fuck you, Bump. It was all fine until that happened. She's so cute. (laughs) (laughs)
2: what a sorry I
4: was laughing god damn it quit being mirthful
1: Jesus will you stop being amused god damn it we're trying to be professionals here in the middle of an extra bedroom with a cat who's sitting outside thankfully not singing the song of his people
2: half interesting half oh, thank you that was the that half. Was, yeah that was the only one. Oh, my everything, god everything else was um i'm all the so other american eights, all the other
1: uh, answer yeah and the rest oh of my god those... see not a straight answer in sight i could do that one without any trouble <laughs> it wouldn't make any sense
4: oh my god will you people get out of my branches you suck
0: i'm all greg i'm all greg Scaring in the dark box. Got it, because I was out there giggling away, listening to you. So I do do cute. And it's an omega. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how we're going to do that with an audio book. Omega. Omega. Uh, dialogue. Uh, Kevin got caught not scanning ahead. Oh man! So it begins. That's so good.
2: Priori the podcast is a full cast audio of the fantasy novel Priori Written by Emily Craven The author of the Grand Adventures of Madeline Kane series The podcast is produced by Emily Craven and Kevin Powell And contains the voiceover talents of Emily, Kevin, Sam Piaggio, Colin Smith and Lois Spangler intro and outro music is thanks to composer christopher healy each weekly episode contains a chapter of priori as well as a gag reel and chat with the cast to find out more about priori emily the cast or to sign up to the newsletter of awesome go to www.originalfantasy.com forward slash priori podcast if you've enjoyed the podcast please consider while you're at the website donating the price of a cup of coffee towards us paying our wonderful voiceover actors These guys have freely donated their time for this project and Emily would like to shower them with riches so they'll consider creating more podcasts with her and for you in the future.